MP, it's here this weekend. That's right, Bretto. The Wellness Base Camp lands two hours south of Sydney in Kiama this Saturday, June the 2nd. Our naturopath, gut health and female health extraordinaire Helen Patteron will be joining us. Fuad Kassab from Quirky Cooking is coming down. Fellow podcaster, Dr. Maria Zussman will be talking all about stress. And you and I, Bretto, will be there talking about love and relationships, work-life balance and how to truly master your wellness. Zazen Alkaline Water presents the Wellness Base Camp. One full day of inspiration and education on this Saturday, June 2, from 10 until 5. There's over 1,000 bucks in door prizes, a raft of world-class local exhibitors and a room full of people just like you. So bring a buddy and get two tickets for the price of one. All details and tickets available at thewellnessbasecamp.com. That's thewellnessbasecamp.com. Real Food Real is proudly sponsored by Bear Blends. Bear Blends are dedicated to producing the healthiest protein powders and unique nutritional powders. They use only natural and organic whole foods and all of their products are non-GMO and free of artificial flavors, colors and sweeteners. My personal new favorite is their vanilla and coconut plant protein. Visit bearblends.com.au to learn more and check out their gorgeous recipe info over on Instagram at Bear Blends. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Worth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Ali McLean, Katie Pettuccini, and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness, and optimizing your health, metabolism, and longevity. While you're tuning in to today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Real. In today's episode of The Real Food Real, we are joined by Kale Brock, live from a cafe in southwest France. In today's show, you will learn about Kale's overseas journey and his European food observations. We discuss the French paradox, the significance of portion control, mindful eating, and the benefits of intermittent fasting. We also touch on the impact of stress on longevity, how to eat healthy on the road, and so much more. Hi, Kale, and welcome back to the show. Hey Steph, thanks for having me. How's the new how's the new format going? I'm pretty excited to to be back again on the show. Yeah, going really well, thank you. So we obviously had a little bit of a, a facelift, so to speak, um, and we're thrilled to have you as one of our regular cast members. Um, oh, I feel like I've been cast in something so exciting. Feels <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't even have to audition for this one. This is great. Yeah, unusual for you, no doubt, in your acting world. (laughs) Yes. 
Cool. So I actually want to dive in and set the scene because I'm sure our listeners can already hear some interesting background noise. So I'd love for you to give us a bit of a visual as to where you are and what's going on in the world of Cal Brock. Yes. So the uh, excuse for the poor sound quality today is <laughs> that I'm in, <laughs> I'm actually in France. I'm in Basque country. So that's the southwest of France. Uh, I've been traveling around Europe and Morocco for the last five or six weeks which has been pretty cool i've got another i think 10 weeks to go and yeah i've I've just spent the last sort of few weeks surfing and and hanging out around hossegore and Biarritz and san sebastian and the bottom of spain and portugal it's been it's been pretty rad so um right now i just finished this is interesting actually i just finished a breakfast um Today's breakfast was, was quite paleo, but it's been interesting seeing the food over here because you see this, <laughs> this abundance of what I would probably consider food that is generally malnutritious. You know, there's not a lot of nutrition in it, but you see an abundance of healthy people at the same time. So it's quite bizarre to, to see, and I suppose this is what we've – oh, everybody's coughing. <laughs> Great. This is what we've sort of talked about with the French paradox and, um, you know, the red wine, the cheese, the bread. And yet everybody seems so healthy. So I'm trying to work out what is going on here uh, that enables these people to seemingly from the outside uh, be so healthy whilst consuming a diet that I would consider um, not to be super, super healthy. So, yeah, it's been a really interesting experience. And then, of course, you know, spending a lot of time in the water and hanging out with Emma and getting some sunshine. It's been really cool. Yeah, amazing. And a fair bit to unpack there, just even from what you've mentioned around breakfast, because you're right, it is known as that French paradox. And it's certainly not the food that we would normally prescribe. But um, I wondered if you had some thoughts so far as to what you see in that, like the French culture, particularly. Mm. I think doing a little bit of research into it, you you notice that the French are actually quite... um, stringent in terms of what they allow into their food so i think there are thousands of chemicals that we allow in australia Mm. and america into our food that are not allowed here and i'm starting to think that maybe um that has something to do with it and i spoke with a french friend of mine who actually lives back in adelaide i said hey how come everybody's not fat and he's like dude it's all the preservatives and the sugar and shit you have um in australia it's, you know, back in, in France, there's none of that stuff's allowed. And it's all sort of, yeah, it, it's bready and it's carbohydrate but it's all homemade. It's all made uh, with love and it's all made from just very basic raw ingredients. So I think that, that definitely has something to do with it. But, hey, who, who knows? I don't know if we can ever be able to. I don't know if we'll be ever able to pinpoint what it is um, with, with such a myriad of factors coming into play. But I certainly think that... That has something to do with it, but you see, <clears throat> excuse me, you see little things like the the lack of stress and the, the pace at which everybody lives. It's eleven o'clock here now. Everybody's just waking up. Like the week we arrived at this cafe maybe half an hour ago, and there was nobody here. We're the first ones here. It's ten thirty. You know, so it's very very different. People are up late. They're relaxing. They they eat their meals very slowly and they chat and they they have their red wine and even I've been having a little bit of red wine and some port. We went to Porto, which is where um, port actually originates from. Um, So that was really cool. And just seeing that aspect of the culture, I think, also gives us a little bit of an idea or maybe some hints at at what's going on. And, you know, so many people smoke as well. Uh, uh, 
Um, so I don't know what, what's that, what that's doing, but certainly when it comes to the statistics, the French are healthier than we are. So I don't know. And you see these, these like, it's so funny. You see people um, in the street that we're driving along the main street and they'll just pull over put their hazard lights on pretty much not even a car park right just in this completely inconvenient place to park but they'll put their hazards on just so they can run into the bank and, and do something in the bank and then run out even if there's like five or six cars piled up waiting for this person to go and do their errand nobody toots everybody just sits there waiting relaxed wow. and then they move on when the person comes out i know it's so crazy so we've been laughing at that and thinking like that definitely has something to do with it yeah, I agree. Is, is massive. Yeah, it's kind of almost blue zone in nature, right? In terms of the um, mm-hmm. the little bit, I guess, left strategies. Like we're not looking at paleo. We're not even talking about gut health yet. But it's all the lifestyle mm. stuff, like what you mentioned around eating their food slowly. Like I think that's you know a renowned, significant component of why the French don't get fat. You know, a lot of it is in, yeah. I, I think, the the food behaviours as well as their their beautiful ability to portion control. What have you noticed there about the size of the food or the meal, yeah, the meal strategy? It's definitely, you know, you see people come in and have a, have a shot of coffee and a croissant for, for breakfast. <laughs> it's a pretty light fit. <laughs> and we, we've tried tried it a couple of times and you just end up especially when you're surfing all day I don't know, a lot of these french a lot of the french don't don't surf all day but <clears throat> they come in they get their coffee and they have their cigarette and they have their their croissant and they're done until two or three o'clock in the afternoon so maybe caloric restriction has something to do with it we know that has a big impact on human growth hormone and and staying young and i, I did actually this is probably quite interesting i'd read some research the other day that i need to do a video on on my youtube channel um on fasting and its effect on mm-hmm. gut health and how when we fast and when we empty the gut um it stimulates the the intestinal cells so our gut lining cells to actually um clean themselves up and to heal and to regenerate in a very healthy way so i think um maybe that has something to do with it as well we're doing a lot of intermittent fasting just by accident here because everything's so slow you're almost forced to because nothing's open before <laughs> 10 o'clock <laughs> so <laughs> you're waking up starving and you know, you don't get to eat until 11 o'clock and then it's like, oh, well, it's, it's 2 or 3 o'clock and we'll have lunch and then we'll have lunch at 8 or 9 o'clock and stay up until 11 and the sun sets at 10 or whatever. It's just sort of, it's quite bizarre and, and um, it's really cool to actually soak it up. Mm. I'm not someone who comes to a country like this and, and says, no, I'm going to eat paleo still. Like I, if I'm going to come to France, I want to I want to do what the French do. And, uh, besides the smoking cigarettes, I've been pretty much <laughs> lapping it up and um, having, you know, most of the food without without going crazy and having some you – know, we went to the park the other day and we bought our baguettes. It's so funny. We, you see people walking down the street um, just with a baguette in a, in a paper bag and they just eat the baguette for lunch, like just plain bread. Wow. So we went and bought some baguettes and we went and got our goat's cheese and the tomato and a little bit of salmon and we – we make up the, the the sandwich and you eat it in the park and it's just this whole experience so i do enjoy that and you know knowing that the food is made with love and and made from very basic simple ingredients i don't even know and this is yet to be confirmed i need to research this i don't even know if um they allow roundup here i don't know that they do so i think the wheat over here and the grains that they use is very very different to what we have in australia and the u.s so that certainly has something to do with it because i feel i feel great still um besides being a little bit chesty at the moment for maybe 
a variety of reasons. But um, yeah, it's it's been really cool to to soak it up and just live like a Frenchman or live like a European for a while. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And there's a lot of things that you've mentioned that are sounding like the direct opposite from at least where I live in Melbourne. You know, the you, you mentioned the stress, which I want to um, dive into a little bit further in a moment, but we're also talking about, you know, food quality and portions and lack of chemicals on the food. I think the sum total of that is, is going to be huge and what we yeah. don't have as much control over in capital cities um, or we've got some bad habits that we need to acknowledge need fixing in order to, you know, redirect our health and wellness. Mm, I completely agree. And maybe we could learn a lot from from what these cultures are doing because, like, like I said, you walk down the street and there's not, there's not the abundance of overweight people that you see in Australia. And I know that's just one indicator of health, but just a completely different vibe here it's very very different and again according to the statistics which is what's which are, are very important they do live um healthier lives than us so we need to look into it yeah for sure and i love the concept of fasting i was reading some research i think it was this morning or or late yesterday around exactly what you say around resetting not only the immune system but completely clearing out dead cells and looking at autophagy and it's the, the study was in particular yeah. a three-day fast, but obviously the benefits are going to be scaled backwards relative to the duration. So we know that intermittent mm. fasting is certainly a great place to start. Well, it's interesting because when – I love telling people this because it's, it's a it's aha a moment. When your tummy rumbles, we sort of equate that with being hungry, whereas actually what's happening when your tummy rumbles, it's empty, yes, but what it's doing is it's, it's moving in peristalsis um, or peristaltic movements, which is peristalsis, <laughs> where your small intestine and your gastrointestinal tract moves in waves to actually clear off debris and waste and junk, move down into the bowel so that you can poop it out. So when we block that system, when we immediately feel that rumble or we feel our tummy's empty, we eat straight away. We actually stop that process to an extent. So it's a really good idea, especially if you've if you, you're to you know manage your blood sugar easily enough and not deal with all those sorts of crashes um to to do some intermittent fasting on a regular basis and i think um it's quite easy to do you know it's free you just restrict your eating window so um i'm a big fan of of doing that and perhaps that uh will be studied more in terms of its effect on gut bacteria i know dr michael russio um has talked a lot about that in terms of shifting gut flora uh with that's probably a good resource for that and i'm about to put out a video on on youtube <clears throat> it's a little bit difficult when it's an unedited video because uh, i just have to shoot everything off my phone at the moment um but i'll be putting that out on youtube soon so i'll talk a little bit more about that hopefully yeah amazing we will definitely stay tuned but i wanted to loop back around to the stress conversation and this might explain why you're not editing your videos at this point in time um <laughs> share with us what happened in late april so we were in uh, Portugal. We were in Portugal and um, we had a bit of a nightmare 24 hours beforehand. Our car broke down and we were on the side of the road for six hours waiting to be picked up in the middle of the Portuguese countryside. No phones working. Like This is part, partly me being an idiot and saying, no, I don't want a phone while I'm away. I don't want to be talking to people, blah, 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 blah. So <clears throat> didn't have a phone to use, so we had to hail down a, a bike rider 
Asked to borrow his phone, but we couldn't speak any. He couldn't speak any English whatsoever, so we had to mime everything. <laughs> it took us six hours. Next day, we arrive. All right, yep, we're there. Um, we'll go for a We'll go for a run on the beach, blah, blah, blah. We've got all our stuff in the car because we're transitioning from um, location to location. So all our stuff's packed up in the car. We park in a car park, very busy, opposite a hotel. There's little bellboys and stuff everywhere. Yeah, pretty secure. So I go for a surf. Emma's gone for a run. And we came back about half an hour later and found that um, the car had actually been (laughs) – the window had been smashed and broken into and everything had been taken. So um, my, my, my my backpack with my um, brand new laptop in that I sort of just got for this, for this trip, like, cause I wanted to do a lot of editing and stuff. So I've got my new laptop and had my camera with all my photos from Morocco and stuff on it, all the videos. Um, Emma had all her stuff stolen, plus they actually stole her luggage bag, so her complete backpack with all her clothes, all her toiletries, like everything. Um, so they took that and they were in the midst of taking my big suitcase as well um, when someone actually saw them and ran over and and stopped them. So, And like I said to you before, that in itself is a little bit stressful uh, initially and then you sort of get kind of point, look, we're all okay, um, <clears throat> nothing majorly wrong right now uh, except the fact that we've lost our stuff. But really it's the time because we, we had nothing. So we had to go to the embassy. All our passports are gone. So we had to go to the embassy, the Australian embassy. We had to go to the police station. The police are getting angry at us for leaving stuff in the car, which I was a little bit shocked at. I thought, okay, maybe it's, you know, maybe the problem's not us. <laughs> but anyway, um, <clears throat> so it ends up being, being um, two to three weeks of, of rebooking stuff, of chasing up security codes and all this stuff because our whole system, I didn't even realise, is, is very protective of your information. <laughs> and they, once you lose your information, it's actually almost impossible to get it back, especially when our phones aren't working, all this sort of stuff. So it's been quite a – it's not been the relaxing holiday that I really wanted just yet. Uh, but we're trying to make the most of it. And as I sort of said in, in that video that I sent, sent to you beforehand, um, it took maybe 48 hours to actually switch mentally and go from being like reactive and negative to sort of going, okay, what can we take from this? What can we sort of take from this? And how can we spin this in a positive way? And how can we sort of shift the energy a little bit to try and, <laughs> to try and change things? Because we were having a shocking uh, run there for a, for a few days, getting angry at each other just because <laughs> we just, you know, going through stuff that you, you don't expect on, on a trip. But um, in the end, I think we probably have taken some good from it and um, really worked together quite well, Emma and I. So that's been sort of good, but we're still chasing up replacements and all this sort of stuff. And maybe it was a little bit of a sign from the universe to just completely disconnect and not do any work for, for a month. Not that, not that I feel like I need to take more time off. And Steph, I know you like pointing this out about me. My schedule's pretty relax but um it turns out over the past uh three weeks since the incident it's been very much more relaxed because i've been off social i've had tim doing all the socials back home so it's been um yeah it's been it's been pretty good i think but yeah the the stress of that whole situation was pretty intense uh and it was hard to actually negate it but i suppose we need to actually learn ways to um, be in control of our emotions. I think Martha Washington, I really like that quote, said, 
it's not our happiness does not depend on our circumstance but rather on our disposition and that's been a big driving principle behind my actions over the past three weeks of trying to just relax and accept what's going on and and just be proactive about fixing it so yes that's what's that's what's gone on Wow. Yeah, I think there's only so much you can do in a situation like that. But good on you for at least identifying mm. the situation and turning things around as quickly as possible because it could it could have completely derailed your whole holiday. <laughs> yeah. There were a few moments where it was like, let's just go home. Let's just go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But we didn't. We're still here and we're having fun. As long as you're together, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. So, also know that you were in Morocco fairly recently, and you went mm. to visit a or an, an indigenous tribe. I'd love to hear some thoughts about, firstly, like you know, some reasons behind and what you learnt, um, and a comparison to what you learnt earlier last year with the Hudson tribe that were that was delivered in the Gut movie. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, one of the biggest. Probably the best way to describe that is visiting a tribe that has been essentially infiltrated by by Western food and um, comparing them with with one who has not. So, the sun in the gut movie have not been infiltrated with Western food to to the um, <clears throat> mostly have not been um, infiltrated with Western food to to a very large extent. Whereas the traditional native Moroccans, um, the Berbers has so it was pretty interesting to see we went into this little home and little village that's very much like middle east you know typical middle east style like um rammed earth sort of mud brick buildings or not even buildings just little homes and um, we went in one and first thing we got offered was tea and it's like okay cool we got tea but then it comes out and it's like you know it's diabetes tea it's like four (laughs) teaspoons the sugar in there you know it's so intense and um <clears throat> that's sort of one of their staples and they bring out also they're very proud of their little stack of sugar cubes that they've got in in the house so you know um without them knowing what what my job is and what, what i'm sort of into is it, it was partly disappointing to see that but it was also i think what i took out of it was um how far the, the tentacles of the certain agricultural companies are, um, but also to see their disposition and take away from that with how happy they were at just having us over um, with, with, you know, you look at what's in their homes and they're all just in the one room, three generations in the one room, um, one person sleeping on the floor, then there's another little bedroom where everybody else sleeps. And um, seeing how happy they were was, was really, really cool. I had a bunch of kids come up to me in the street while I was walking around with the, the camera. And so they all wanted to take photos and um, see themselves on camera. And that was really cute and cool. So those were the experience I took away from that. But, yes, yeah, seeing, unfortunately, the, the Western food uh, being – or certain aspects of Western food being uh, in there was a little bit disheartening, but um, and you see you see that reflected in their in their health status. You know their their dental health in particular is is quite bad, and um, they're not the healthiest looking people. So, and I think you see that throughout the Middle East. There's a lot of sugar. There's so much sugar actually, especially in Morocco. It's it's large huge proportion of their diet is um sugar based you know it's carbohydrate based very little fresh fresh food so 
that was a little bit tricky traveling through Morocco and, and dealing with that food and just feeling so heavy uh, the whole time. That was that was probably one of the biggest things I recognized that I just needed breaks from food. And of course, we sort of did a tour because we had our family there as well. So it was, you know, you're up at seven, you're eating, and then you're not eating until 10 at night. And then you're up again at seven eating. It's just like, oh my gosh, I need a break from mm-hmm. eating. <laughs> but no, it was really cool. Morocco is a pretty interesting place and it can be quite confronting in, in certain ways, but it was pretty special. What I think my favorite experience, I don't know if you you saw it, was the Blue City, Chef Shawin. It's mm. basically this city up in the mountains where, and this was really interesting actually, um, the, the entire city is fed by spring water. So we've got a natural spring um, that runs through the city and they're the first town on the spring water line. So um, it's completely uncontaminated and they've got the taps throughout the city where you can just go and fill up your bottle um, and it's just spring water coming out of that mountain so it's pretty pretty cool I really really love that Um, but the whole city's blue and there's all these incredible blue doors and blue courtyards and it makes for a pretty stunning vista so that was a pretty cool experience just to see that and taking away from from all this that the need I think for for experiencing new cultures and I think it's important thing. If I had my way, if I was if I was the prime minister of Australia, I would assign a gap year for every single student finishing school, so they had to go and travel somewhere or go and do something in a different country. Because I think you can less start to appreciate um, how good, particularly Australia. Seems I just think to everything you know it's so so cool um but you know if you just stayed in australia you probably wouldn't realize that that it is the best place in the world so um yeah i, I really really appreciated this trip for for everything that it's that it's been and seeing the the differences in cuisine has been incredibly interesting and then seeing these massive contradictions here in france of people thriving amongst a diet full of croissants and cigarettes has been uh, quite confronting and challenging for me, but I think it's really important to do that because if we ignore these things, then we're just burying our head in the sand. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure you'll share a lot more on YouTube and um, on your channels when you get back home. I know you said um, you were embracing the culture, obviously, but you've also been asked how to eat healthy while traveling. And I just wondered if you had any tips that you'd love to share about what we can do when we are on the road. Mm. It's tricky, isn't it? Because when you take away the, the kitchen and you take away the fridge and the pantry, it's hard to, to eat on the road. Um, one of the principles I sort of try to follow is to just find very basic food, um, stuff that's not too too processed, and it's sometimes very difficult to do that. But even if it means finding a, a little patisserie here, like a little bakery, and, and getting that baguette or um, going to a supermarket somewhere to actually find some salad and, and some apple cider vinegar, we can just throw something together or getting some good organic goat cheese or just finding the local cuisine and actually um, sort of exploiting that in a way. And because a lot of the uh, local cuisine is also the cheapest, it's the most readily available. So while we were in Chef Showen, for instance, it's all goat. Everything is about goat up there. So I had some goat cheese of my life up there and they're mixing it with like um, local um, – honey that's just you know from from local hives all around the place and then they've got like 
the whole town is full of oranges as well. So they've just got oranges everywhere all over the town. Um, and so there's fresh, fresh oranges or you, or they squeeze fresh orange juice and things like that. So I just try and focus on those things. Like, you know, if you're getting oranges there, they're probably organic and they're probably fresh and local. Um, if you're getting goat's cheese there, it's, it's probably organic. It's probably fresh and local and you're supporting the local economy. As opposed to going into Chef Sean and say, saying, this is my current dietary regime how can I emulate this here? I think you're probably going to be less healthy doing that. So if I sort of walked around saying, ooh, do you have a paleo chicken salad for me? (laughs) (laughs) Then it probably would have been quite difficult and probably wouldn't have got fresh food and wouldn't have got probably a healthy meal Um, and would have probably paid a lot more than what I was paying for organic organic goat's cheese just from the the local farmers so i think those are the principles i try and and follow and sometimes that means that you're not getting the healthiest food ever um but that's okay because that's why we travel we travel to experience these things and i think it would be difficult for someone who's managing a a condition something like that or who has a very sensitive digestive system or gastrointestinal tract to to avoid those sort of flare-ups um and that i think really comes down to preparation if you do really require those um particular foods to actually continue to thrive and manage your condition then you do actually need to be prepared and maybe it means staying for a minimum of a week in one location so that you can set up the kitchen and you know, get a good Airbnb and and make some broth and have that in the fridge and eat more at home and and your experiences come more from walking around and and doing things as opposed to sitting down and eating. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just being smart about how you do it and not expecting the 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 world to adapt to your needs automatically because it won't. Because <laughs> if you come here looking for um, anything other than a croissant, uh, you will be disappointed. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely possible to eat well. And um, I agree with what you say about the tentacles of, you know, big sugar essentially. Like I was in Vanuatu oh, recently and a lot of mm. a lot of where we were definitely live off the land. And then you go into the town and the supermarket is like the place to be, but you go in there and it's the worst of the worst processed food. Like I'm not exaggerating. You couldn't even yeah. get like, you know, sort of quote unquote, healthy packaged food it was all like legitimately the most refined food available and then you, you look around and you're starting to see the health of a of a fairly undeveloped place really decline largely because they're so excited by refined carbohydrates and soft drink that it's still a real novelty for them and it's tragic to see the impact that it's having on their health so you know we just basically bypassed the supermarket and found the abattoir and the markets and stocked up. We were there for two (laughs) weeks and we had a kitchen and so on. So it's always a little bit different depending on how you're traveling. But, I mean, yeah, you've got to obviously either go with the flow or change the way you travel and do a little bit of a research as to or a bit of a a forage per se to find the right food. Yeah, and, you know, that stuff is not local, that food that you're talking about in the supermarket. That's not real authentic Vanuatu food. Exactly. That's Western food that we mm. place there. So that's something you definitely want to avoid. And you see that in the supermarkets here too. But I'm very grateful to see that um, 
those are often the most well-stocked parts of the supermarket because nobody's buying Hmm. them which is fantastic i love that part of the, the french how they've been a little bit you know snobby of, of everyone else's food cultures and said no this is what we do and we're going to do it well um so it's really cool um, every corner has an, another bakery on it and everybody goes and gets their bread for the day and and walks around with it and um that I think we can really emulate because, again, um, finding those local foods is not impossible. They do exist, uh, whether it's goat's cheese in Morocco or whether it's um, citrus here or whether it's bread here. Um, you can find those foods and, and access them and, and, and generally they are much more healthier than, than trying to control the diet too much. Yeah, fascinating. I can't wait to hear more when you do get home. But did, is there anything else that you wanted to share from either your travels or any other gut health stuff that you're working on? I'm working on a few things. It's been stalled at the moment. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I've got the new book coming. I know you're working on a book too. I don't know if that's public news yet. So whether this goes to air, ladies and gentlemen, as you heard it first. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Nobody knows except for you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm working on a book. I'm working on a book at the moment. Um, it's basically the follow-up to the gut movie, and we'll be going a lot more in depth into a, a lot of topics we we breached in the in the film because there's only so much depth you mm. can achieve with a with a film without boring people or or uh, spending a hundred million dollars on on infographics. So, mm. well, that's what I'm sort of doing with the the next book and basing it off the work of the incredible practitioners around the world who are really, I think, pioneers when it comes to the microbiome. Um, so people like Professor Barodi and, and Mimi mm. Tang and then a few other international guests this time and um, really putting together a, a nice big body of work uh, which will sort of indicate what's going on with the gut health equation and where it's all going, which I think is incredibly exciting. Um, so that's sort of what I'm working on at the moment, just very early days, and I think that will sort of write itself and hopefully be out by next year and then we've got a few other things going on in terms of media and, and film and stuff which are very very early days it's been an interesting you've caught me at an interesting time because it almost feels like a transition phase mm. because and but i'm so lucky because i'm, I'm able to actually take time to assess what's going on and, and assess my situation and go what's going to be best for me at the moment um i think a lot of us sort of ask those questions and say what am I expected to do whereas I, I don't know when this came along in my life or when the the bee sort of reared its head but for me it's always been about what do I want to do what's going to keep me happy um, and fulfilled in terms of a, a job and employment I know I've got my surfing and that's always going to keep me happy and that's my my own little private thing um, but I love work as well I love having a job and, and having purpose so at the moment it's very much questioning what I'm doing and sort of saying what's the next sort of point for me I think this last book on gut health will sort of be my last hurrah on the topic um, I will still have an interest in it of course but I kind of feel like um, the gut health thing is is in really good hands and my book that'll sort of be in a weird 26 year old sort of way my hopefully my legacy on the, on the gut and the microbiome but um, yeah and then I just want to be excited and happy about the work that I'm doing and just and not work from a place of, of ego or expectation and work from a place of fulfillment and happiness and excitement. Um, and, you know, where that is at the moment is sort of in film and video and storytelling. So 
I don't know what's happening just yet. I've got a few little exciting things in the pipeline, but they're still very early days. So right now, I'm just that little 26-year-old traveler guy who's got no computer and can't work. (laughs) (laughs) So I was just so it up with with enthusiasm (laughs) yeah totally and i know you joked earlier and we do have a joke together about your schedule but secretly (laughs) i envy you because i definitely fall into the trap of of you know of working too much and wishing i was probably learning how to surf so (laughs) i mean it with love Oh, good, 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 good. Amazing. So great to catch up and hear your travels. I can't wait to see more on social media and obviously on your YouTube channel. All those links will be in the show notes. And we look forward to chatting again on The Real Food Reel very soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be cast in this uh, particularly impressive, well-renowned, famous project, (laughs) The Real Food Reel. (laughs) Absolutely. We couldn't do it without you. (laughs) Thanks, Steph. Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love. See you next time on The Real Food Real. This year, the Wellness Summit returns. What? is the ramifications for you if you continue to not know where your food is coming from and not make a hard stand about what you're consuming. Back in 1992, I didn't know how to cook. In fact, I ate really poorly as many of you know. But I now love it so much that when I go to prepare something, it becomes magical. Don't want you to be stuck in the, the crap that's happening. Know it, yes. Be aware of it, yes. But bring your vibration up so that we can vibrate at a higher level and collectively we might be able to bring everybody up to make those changes. I love preparing it and I know that everyone who's eating it absolutely loves it. Even the bits that they don't want to eat, they love eating them because I love making them. Does that make sense? Cindy O'Meara and Damien Christoph feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.